This is John Nix, and you're listening to the One More Verse podcast. One More Verse is a resource designed to help people understand the Bible. The passage for today is Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 23. There's a danger when someone's new in their faith. Paul begins this section by telling the folks that will be hearing this letter that he's an apostle. You see, part of the danger for a new follower of Jesus is that if they don't find themselves under good, solid, biblical instruction and teaching, if they're not discipled by someone who is skilled in the scripture, there's a danger that they may just collect a bit of sayings that they hear on television, or they may adopt a a theology or a belief that is not true. The Bible is our source for truth. And so a lot of times when it comes to brand new believers, if we just leave them to their own devices, they may be very, very confused. That's why we're called not to just try to get people to raise their hand or walk an aisle or fill out a card, but we're called to make disciples. And so as Paul is addressing this group, he wants them to understand the authority that he has. This is not a prideful thing. It's not an arrogant thing. It's not to say, hey, you need to know I'm a big deal. But he wants them to understand that he's an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Now, this is important as he will lay out for these believers who are um, beginning to grow in their faith and bearing fruit, as he says, because he needs for them to understand the authority that he has. For an apostle was not someone who was just nominated. They didn't get voted on by a group of their peers and just get approved because they were nice guys or they memorized more verses. No, when it came to being an apostle, the office of apostle was appointed by Jesus himself. The apostles were authorized to speak on his behalf and they were commissioned to organize the churches And so when Paul speaks, he wants to establish why he is sending them this letter and why they should listen. Paul's not just some guy. He's not just an eager preacher trying to build his platform or get more Twitter followers. He wants them to understand he is an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. For those who know about his story understand that in a miraculous way, Jesus himself has given him this ministry that Jesus had called him to speak to Jews, Gentiles, kings, and that he would show him how much he had to suffer. And so he begins this way, and yes, it is a standard greeting, but there's more to it than that, because just like in any new believer's life, there are some basics that have to be established. So before he goes on to establish some of those basics and foundational issues that we'll get to in a moment, he tells them that Timothy is our brother. Now, this is important because often Paul would dispatch Timothy to go and to help these fledgling churches, whether it be in the establishment of elders or to clarify doctrinal issues. He often had Timothy go to serve them. And so he writes to them and extends grace and peace to them. He wants them to know just how thankful they are to hear about the gospel as it moves forward. And he's heard about their faith. He knows about their love for one another. He, he's excited that they have hope. He knows that they heard this word of truth, the gospel, and that it's taken root and that it's bearing fruit and it's increasing ever since the day that they heard it. For by faith, when we are um, rescued and saved from sin, something happens to us. 
that which is dead comes to life and these new desires and this power of the God himself working in us, the applied work of Jesus Christ, the power of the spirit, we bear fruit and we increase. And so he wants them to know he's, he's heard about that. He knows that they know about grace, the grace of God and truth. He, he acknowledges that they heard from Epaphras and he um, establishes that not only does he know him, but he loves him and that they are fellow servants and he's a faithful minister. He speaks words of grace over Epaphras. He wants them to know that uh, Epaphras has told them. And so as soon as they heard that they have not stopped to pray for this new church, he wants them to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. He wants them to have spiritual wisdom and understanding. He wants them as they grow in their faith to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. He wants them to please him. He, he wants them to continue to bear fruit in every good work and to increase in the knowledge of God. Now, when it comes to the knowledge of God, this is not just a mere collection of facts. For some people, even now, as we go through one more verse, it's possible to go through one more verse and completely miss the point. You can have a knowledge about God and not have a knowledge of God. It's possible for us to read the Bible, collect these stories and these facts. It's possible to study commentaries and go to seminary and not have a knowledge of God. You can know the right answers and not know God. Think of the Pharisees. They spent their entire lives doing nothing but searching the scripture, and yet Jesus said they were dead on the inside. And so as he, he prays for them, he wants them to understand that he wants them to grow in their knowledge of God. He reminds them that they can be strengthened because of God's glorious might. He exhorts them to, 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 be, uh, to endure with patience and joy and thanksgiving because they've been qualified to enjoy the inheritance promised to all who have been rescued by Christ Jesus. He, he talks about how they had been, I, I love this language, he delivered them from the domain of darkness. Man, that alliteration is so good. The domain of darkness, that's not our home anymore. We've been transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. We are a part of the kingdom of God. We are sons and daughters of the living God. We have redemption because Jesus Christ has paid the price he suffered the wrath and justice of God that we might have the forgiveness of sins. And so having established this relationship, having explained to them how excited he was to hear about them and to let them know that he cares for them and that he's praying for them, he moves into things of foundational importance. Namely, he moves into an understanding of who Jesus Christ truly is. There was much confusion back in that day, just as there is in this day and time about Jesus. Who exactly was he? What exactly had he accomplished? How is it possible to be born of a virgin? Is it really true that he was dead and raised to life? How can he be God and man at the same time? All of these questions were swirling. And so Paul wants them to understand and as he transitions into this, he, he gives them this declaration about Jesus' nature and work and his preeminence. This is one of my favorite, favorite passages in all of the Bible. As we gaze upon his majesty, Paul reminds them and he wants them to know he's the firstborn of all creation. 
and that every single thing has its origin in Jesus Christ. As the agent of creation, as John said in John chapter 1 and verse 1, as we are reminded that every single thing has its origin in Jesus Christ, not just the things that you can see, but the things that you can't see, the things that are in heaven, the things that are on earth. It doesn't matter if it's a throne, a dominion, a ruler, or an authority. Every single thing was created through him. And don't miss this, and for him. Jesus is before every single thing, and he holds the whole universe together. Oh, I know, your science books talk about the gravitational pull of the sun and how important it is for the moon, and the earth has to be tilted on its axis, but scripture helps us to understand those may be some things that we see, but Jesus, every single molecule of the universe, he holds together. He's the head of his body, of the body, the church. Now, it's important for us to remember that the church is a body. It's an organism, not just an organization. Now, don't be mistaken. It has to be organized, and God tells us how to do that. But he reminds us that Jesus is the head of the church. The church doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to my pastor. The church belongs to Jesus. And Jesus is not just the firstborn of all creation. He's also the firstborn from the dead. You remember uh, back when we were reading and talking about how Jesus didn't just come back to life when he raised from the dead. If that is all he had done, he'd be just like everybody else. But he is the firstborn of this new kind of life, this resurrection life. And he is preeminent. Now, Paul gets to some of the finer points, and it's one of those things that we must uh, make sure that we don't miss. In Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Jesus is God. And so God gave himself so that we might be reconciled to him. How did this happen? Paul walks it out. He, he wants them to know that this reconciliation happened because Jesus made peace by the blood of his cross. He, he reminds those that would hear this letter that although at one point they were alienated, they were enemies, they were hostile, they did evil deeds all the time. He has reconciled in his body. He's reconciled so that they might be presented as holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Now, it's important for us to not miss this. I mean, not only have we been redeemed and our sin has been forgiven, but it is the righteousness of the glorious Christ that has been credited to us. It is imputed to us. We enjoy the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And therefore, when we stand before God, we will be holy. Why? Jesus. We will be blameless. Why? Jesus. We will be above reproach. Why? Jesus. But he reminds them that just as they are, um, as they're continuing in their faith, as they are increasing in their faith, as they are bearing fruit, we must not stop doing that. There's no place in this Christian life while we live here on earth where you just get to that place and you're done. We must continue in the faith. We must be stable and steadfast. We, we can't shift to some new understanding of the gospel. We can't abandon the hope of the gospel. We've got to remember that everything hinges on Jesus. His life is our life. His death is our death. His resurrection is our resurrection. Everything, everything hinges on Jesus. And so as he unpacks this, he wants this church to know that he's heard about him. He wants them to know that he has the authority to explain these things. And he wants them to know who Jesus is. May we be steadfast as we walk in faith. And may we remember, let us help those who are new in their faith. Let us make disciples 
and not merely get people to raise their hand and fill out cards, but let us be faithful to the directive of our king. Oh, as you read this, I would put this, highlight it, underline it, put it in the front of your favorites, whatever it has to be. Let us read these verses and just be absolutely overwhelmed and stand in awe as we worship the preeminent one, Jesus, the God-man who reconciled us to God and made peace by his blood. Thanks for listening to the One More Verse podcast. For more information about Vertical Purpose or One More Verse, visit us online at johnnicks.org. Connect with us on social media. Just use the handle, The John Nicks. And don't forget to download the free Vertical Purpose app to keep up not only with One More Verse, but you're going to find some additional resources as well. Thanks again, guys. Enjoy worshiping with the saints this weekend, and we'll see you next week for the One More Verse podcast.